Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. This week, Jason Craig and I move even deeper into G.K. Chesterton's orthodoxy. We jump into the wisdom of fairy tales. You ever think about maybe the most important lessons in life coming from Jack and the Beanstalk or Beauty and the Beast? Think about it. Some of the classic stories from our childhood most define One, our understanding of morality. Perhaps two, even our understanding of society and culture. The reality is right now, y'all, we are living in a world that has grown old in its sin. It's grown old in its suffering in all the ways that evil has had the upper hand. And all of us have a pivotal part to play in reclaiming the power of imagination and in rebuilding our society upon the most basic truths of human morality. If that gets you fired up, you're gonna love this bonus episode. This is episode four of our book series with Jason Craig. And not only that, we've actually got a super exciting opportunity for all of you who are not yet patrons to not only listen to this podcast and reclaim your imagination, but to take a deep dive into the world of fantasy literature. That's right, we are putting George McDonald's The Princess and the Goblin alongside the Love Good Mask inside all of our welcome packages that go out to new patrons this week and this week only. So all you gotta do is go to lovegoodculture.com slash five. The number, spell it out, it doesn't matter, slash five, and you're gonna get all you need to know to sign up as a patron and get a bunch of amazing free stuff, including a mask, including the princess and the goblin delivered to your doorstep in a matter of days. Again, even if you only sign up at our lowest subscription amount, which is $5 a month. Y'all, this is gonna be an amazing episode. Sit tight in just a moment. I'll be back with Jason Craig, but first enjoy this little tune called For Those I'll Leave Behind from the 2015 EP by Kevin Hyder called Us. And at that hour when death for me doth come I'll be thinking of all I've ever loved As sure as the sky's blue, my darling wife I'll think of you, you're my home You're that place where I am from You two must go, you must go You must leave your heart You must go, you must go You must leave your mark You must go, you must go You must fight the dark We're back with Jason Craig, the beginning of chapter four of Orthodoxy by our good friend and hero, G.K. Chesterton. We've had lunch. We've also had a couple cups of coffee. Yes. So all I know is that my, my stomach is saying it's nap time, but my brain is on high alert. So They might be watching this at midnight. It's and, true. That's yeah. the wonders of technology, <laughs> but not the wonders of, there we of go. Chesterton. The, the word wonder, that's what the last one we ended with. He's it saying is, yeah. you should open up that the man who looks at the stars and sees more than balls of gas burning billions of miles away yes. is the one who's actually open to the to the wholeness of reality itself. Simba. In that. <laughs> Pumba. 
Or, no, no, Simba. Oh, yeah, Simba. Simba. He's, yeah. The father's looking down. <laughs> <laughs> and similarly, he says here, this is like middle of page 55, the sense of the miracle of humanity itself should always be more vivid to us than any marvels of power, intellect, art, or civilization. The mere man on two legs should be felt as something more heartbreaking than any music, more startling than any caricature. Hmm. I mean, that's kind of what happens as life goes on. We lose our sense of, of wonder. We lose that, you know, as he puts later in, in orthodoxy, that, that eternal appetite of infancy, right? Mm. The divine monotony that, that never tires mm. of, of even the same things happening over and over again. Tell and, it again. Yeah, Tell it again. And actually, let, let's hone on that for just a moment because it's the perfect segue into this chapter. Most of us have been a little bit bored out of our minds since the spring quarantine struck. Mm -hmm. I know your life didn't change very much, you little homesteader, you know? <laughs> but uh, for most of us, it kind of felt like Groundhog Day over and over and over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. But especially if we're stuck behind screens, especially if we're stuck in 1,200 square foot apartments in New York City, right, you know? Right, And Chesterton in the last one, you know, he's talking about being restricted by having your imagination restricted. Yeah. <clears throat> so this one, he's landing this plane. You think he's, he's taking reason and showing how we can't live by reason alone, that man does not live by bread alone or reason alone, right? That there's more to us. There's a soul, there's an imagination, all those things. And you think, okay, now we're going to go into reality and talk about, well, now let's talk about the building blocks, but he actually comes into Elfland, mm. right? And fairy tales. And he's basically showing that there is wisdom that people have been receiving for generations from these fairy tales that are handed on to us. Mm. And it's these things that are uncomfortable in their absurdity, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, fairy tales are ridiculous. They are. But they're true. Yeah. But as Chesterton says, they're, they're, I don't know if it's in this book, but they're not true, but they're as good as true. Yeah. Is that in this one? I don't, I don't know. Well, so, they, so they didn't happen, but they're true. Yeah. And there's something that has been, and it, it, he's already inching us into the idea of tradition, mm. that there are ways that we receive truth mm -hmm. that is beyond, above, outside of, different from deductive reasoning yeah. and the facts of things. Yeah. And that the facts, the, the ultimate and the highest and the truest facts of life come in these things that might appear silly or superstitious. Fantastic, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for us, you know, there's, there's these, like the idea of luck. He doesn't mm -hmm. go into that, but think about the, uh, every now and then I think, oh, wow, you, you hear these things that sound silly like you know find a penny what is it pick it up the rest of the day you'll have good luck it's not luck it's actually just huge wisdom that if there's free money grab you it. should grab it or yeah. it's bad luck to open an umbrella in the house which i always thought oh that's bad luck until i had children and i realized every time they open an umbrella it knocks over something they break the umbrella and they poke the brother in the eye uh -huh. right so there's all this wisdom that it didn't come to us from the scientists, right? They, there wasn't a double-blind study that showed that opening opening uh, <laughs> <laughs> umbrellas inside. So, it, or, you know, the we're, right now we're in a construction project on the farm and there's ladders everywhere. And you know why it's bad luck to walk under a ladder? Yeah, because it could Cause, fall. Because hammers fall off ladders. Hammers fall, yeah. Right? I mean, so yeah. all these things, this, now he doesn't use the analogy of luck, but I think it's in the same category of, yeah. of things that get dismissed sayings, wisdom, tradition. Childish, whatever the, the, the word is. Yeah. It's all childish. And right here, he uses three really good examples. Jack the Giant Killer, which I think we would call Jack and the Giant Beanstalk. Yeah. Okay. Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast. This is uh, page 59. 
he goes, there is the, the chivalrous lesson of Jack the Giant Killer, that giants should be killed because they are gigantic. It is a manly mutiny against pride as such. <laughs> he goes on to talk about the lesson of Cinderella, which is the same as that of the Magnificat, exultavit, exultavit humiles, the, the, the importance of humility, mm-hmm. to be lowly so that you can be lifted up. Mm-hmm. And then Beauty and the Beast, that a thing must be loved before it is lovable. So what you're getting at, what Cheshire's getting at are these perennial truths that we learned basically in the nursery. Right, or we didn't because yeah. we dismissed fairy tales. Yeah, yeah. Which he's, he's trying to say, this is one of the most critical things in our culture. Yeah, Which yeah, in the last yeah. episode, we were talking about John Sr., who said that the reason his students couldn't read the Odyssey is because they never read Cinderella. Yeah. They don't grasp. He said, and they're safe in it. Not that mm. they're dangerous because they don't know. They're actually so safe that they never get into, he puts it, they never get into adventure, danger, life, and love. Yeah. Because they never read a fairy tale. And that's pretty indicative or reflective of the times we're living in. Right. I mean, there's a book that came out maybe about a year ago called iGen. It was a, it was a big recommendation oh, from Bishop Jennifer Barron. Jennifer Twing. Yeah, Twing. exactly. And it really just describes the sort of modern teenager, you know, what, what she calls Gen Z, this sort of generation coming up right behind us and how they just don't have a whole lot of ambition. Hmm. There's a lot of anxiety, not a lot of ambition, very little risk-taking, very little even uh, appeal to danger right. and romance, you right. know? So they're having, you know, no kids out of wedlock, but they're also having, you know, no kids, period. No wedlock. No wedlock <laughs> yeah. is what I meant to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. They, they do seem frightened and not to know, it's like, or, or I guess maybe been formed in another way, they don't desire the adventure. This is something my wife yeah. says that she doesn't want for our boys that she perceives and young men and boys that <clears throat> her job as the mother is to say to our sons, be careful, but she wants them to be dangerous. Yeah. Right. So she wants to protect them. But now she says people, they don't even want danger. And she's mm. scared sort of in her, in her feminine heart about a world with men that don't want any danger. Yeah, yeah. And you can't not want danger. That's an intentional double negative there. You want danger when you've read the fairy tales, when yeah. you see the value that you, you, you're made for this adventure, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that's where something inside of you that comes alive to be, to, I can't even imagine actually being told that there is nothing inside of you yeah. to be alive. What I love at the beginning of orthodoxy is he actually talks about the adventure of a yachtman. Is that how you say that? <laughs> sure. Yacht. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yachtman. <laughs> An English yachtman. Yachtman. Go for it. Who slightly miscalculated his course and discovered England under the impression that it was a new island in the South Seas. The, what could be more delightful than to have in the same few minutes all the fascinating terrors of going abroad combined with all the humane security of coming, of coming home. home again? Yeah, that's right. You know? yeah. That kind of taps into that danger that is also rooted in a deep security. A security that's not uh, in our own Selves, not not mm-hmm. a confidence in in who we are, or how we think, and what we're capable of. And those things are planted in fairy tales, and then planted in us when we're right in the nursery, because that's our common perception of life itself. That it actually is full of wonder and adventure, and the so, confidence. So there's danger and there's risk, but where does the confidence come from to take those risks? Right. It's in this this bigger law. Epic. Yeah, Which that is, you're, yeah, the natural law or ultimately the, the divine law. Yeah, right? he calls it the big if. Yeah. Um, so the, what a fairy tale tells you is that there's an adventure. Mm-hmm. So there's a massive freedom to go out and have the adventure, but that there is binding laws yes. that 
you don't have to understand to know that they are grave, right? So he says, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the true citizen of fairy, fairyland is obeying something that he does not understand at all, but he's obeying it. Mm. In the fairy tale, an incomprehensible happiness rests upon the incomprehensible condition. A box is opened and all evils fly out. This is page 67. Yeah, nice. A word is forgotten and cities perish. A lamp is lit and love flies away. A flower is plucked and human lives are forfeited. An apple is eaten and the hope of God is gone. Yeah. That obviously he's, that with that last line, he's showing that that is revealing something that's true mm. in the moral order mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. That there is this grand, there's this grand epic and there's this grand if yeah. that your faithfulness to the laws given to you that you don't have to fully understand. It doesn't mean they're not understandable, mm-hmm. that they're incomprehensible, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that they're only to obey, be obeyed once you have fully understood them, mm-hmm. but that there's more. But so it's interesting because it seems as if moral laws restrict us, mm. but the, the ethics of Elfland is that, no, they liberate us. Yeah. yeah. They liberate us. Yeah. And it, even liberate us from the need to know it all. Right. And to understand every little nuance. It was an ecstasy because it was an adventure. It was an adventure because it was an opportunity. Yes, it is good to be in a fairy tale. It's good to be in a fairy tale. I suppose that's the elementary wonder, the instinct of astonishment he's talking about here, making mere life interesting enough. So what was it in me that got so restless then, right, as the coronavirus struck and suddenly we were all told, you can't leave your homes. Hmm. Now, like some of that anxiety, some of that restlessness is the fact that I, you know, I live in a home in a city and there was just limited options, you know, but I'm also not connected to a family right now. I don't belong to mm-hmm. a family. And the community that I do depend on is actually not my neighbors, not the people I live closest to, but the, you know, five or six families and the 10 or 15 young adults in Nashville that I get together with pretty frequently, primarily through church, right? And have a common way of life with. Mm-hmm. But suddenly I couldn't see any of them, you know? Right. It's interesting, you know, that restlessness, that need, you know, for for life to... Yeah, be interesting enough, as he puts it here. And that, yeah, to to go out and have the adventure, yeah. which is, he doesn't go into, I've actually been fascinated with Jack and the Beanstalk because it, Jack and the Beanstalk, the Odyssey, King Arthur, the legends of King Arthur, mm-hmm. a lot of them came into play writing the book on rites of passage, which was how is it that boys come out of their boyhood mm-hmm. to go into the adventure of being men, yes. right? And it's fascinating that how often you know, for for the young men out there, the fairy tales begin in the boy has to leave his mother mm-hmm. and, you know, cutting the apron strings. So the beanstalk grows into the sky. He doesn't know where it's going, but all he knows is he's got to get away from his mom to get, save his mom. Yeah, yeah. That if he stays there and who's up there being held captive by the giant is his father. Mm. And so the giant representing avarice the giant who has seized the wealth and lives in the wealth of his father and his father is held captive by this mm. giant of avarice. Mm. He has to be slain and cast down. Mm. So they have the adventure, but when where do they go once they've defeated the giant? They, they go home, mm. right? So there's That's this, right. for for males, the, the, the ethics of Elfland is, of course, you know, Iron John has to go find the key to his, I don't know if you've ever read Iron John. It's, no. in, it's in one of the, fairy tale books, you know, the key to his escape is under his mother's pillow. Interesting. There's always this element of needing to escape the feminine 
Mm-hmm. And, and for in fairy tales, when we're talking about boys getting, you know, going to have their adventure, and he has to achieve something, mm-hmm. he has to go do something. He has to pull the sword out of yeah. the rock, yeah, so that he can do something with it. But then it's not just adventure for its own sake. So it's not the same as thrill seeking, mm-hmm. right? The guy who's thirty eight and he's still chasing the the thrill he got skydiving at 18, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that gets, eventually you've got to go home. Yeah. So there's all these That's truths right. in in Elfland that are given to us in a form that we digest, especially as children, because as children, where's the line? A child is seven. But sorry, we'll get back to my point and then we'll read how Chesterton makes it much better, is that we slowly, as we age, we might lose the sense of wonder and adventure that mm-hmm. life has, mm-hmm. and that's bad. Yeah. But that the lessons of Elfland, if we absorb them fully, we, we lose them less. Mm. He says, a child of seven is excited by being told that Tommy opened a door and saw a dragon. This is page 64. But a child of three is excited by being told that Tommy opened a door. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. when you're young, everything is exciting. He says elsewhere that, you know, the man of fairyland is amazed that the trees leaves are green because they might as well have been scarlet yeah right that the just the sheer fact of all of existence is this thing of wonder and adventure and beauty and truth and you slowly lose it and the fairy tale helps you to see beyond what it is to to hold on to it so you're still excited that you know the door was opened yeah this is on the same page and a slight departure but I'm just dying inside right now because of <laughs> our, you our saw it. well because of our current political moment. Let me just see if you laugh like I'm laughing. Uh, this is bottom of sixty four. We have all read in scientific books and indeed in all romances the story of the man who has forgotten his name, which may or may not be Joe Biden. This man <laughs> walks about the streets and can see and appreciate everything. Only he cannot remember who he is. Well, every man is that man in this story. Every man has forgotten who he is. You know, I've heard it said elsewhere that the whole essence of the Christian life is remembering. Yeah. Remembering who we are, remembering who God is and what he has done for us. And even just this fundamental truth of human nature that we didn't make ourselves. Right. Right. That we've received our nature. And that's something that Cardinal Seurat, who we talked about a moment ago, this great African Cardinal, talks about the humility of, of that that posture that says, okay, yeah, I've received everything as gift all the way down to my nature, even my gender, Right. you know? I can't make myself, <clears throat> right. essentially. And I sense I sense that it's there, but mm. I've forgotten. That's that, you know, he talked to the man who's forgotten everything. <laughs> What's interesting, I did in, in something I was working on, trying to go into the, the depth of forgetfulness and the yeah. idea of amnesia, Yeah. which is interesting. Have you ever noticed when, when that happens, they forget who they are, they forget mm. relations, but their memory is not erased totally because they can talk. Yeah, right. Right. So they haven't forgotten all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And when they ha- when they realize though that they have, they want to find out who they are, mm-hmm. even though they're literally free. Mm-hmm. I can start it. I mean, imagine I don't have the burdens of the responsibilities that I feel if mm-hmm. I forget everything, but I can still speak and function. Mm-hmm. I could go and do anything. <laughs> yeah. So yes, in Christian life, it's like something in, in the, the whole Christian theology the whole understanding is that and that he gets into this book is that we all sense that we are something mm. and that we need to be told again yeah it's something that was in us that we've lost mm. right which is the idea of original sin that yeah and this is what i love in in the liturgy of the church because that the it's the greek word that gives us amnesia and there's a another greek word that we use in the liturgy, which is anamnesis, oh, yeah. right? Which is a is, is is sort of the opposite. It's to bring forth 
something that exists that was prior, right? Mm-hmm. So not to get too lofty sounding, because it's actually really simple and beautiful that when we're at mass and the anamnesis of the mass is occurring, mm. the bringing forth of Calvary. The representation. We're, we're not at another Calvary. Right. We're at Calvary. Or this perpetual Calvary. Right. It's not just, an, it's, it, there's a only once one. an eternal sacrifice it, represented in time. That's the anamnesis where it comes, and then we're there. Yeah, I love that. And to be told who we are as a son of God, uh-huh. right, through our faith, yeah. is this grand, it's, the fairy tales are great. Yeah. But not not as great as the truth. No, which no. is, you are, uh, in fact, this royal character. We have, my wife was talking this this some friends, <clears throat> and they're reading all these stories, right, from C.S. Lewis to all the various fairy tales to modern books like uh, that are in the category of Andrew Peterson, like the Green Ember series. I don't know if you've heard about this; it's pretty popular now. Yeah, and you know what the common thread is in these things, these stories that just speak to us and wake up, which by the way, a lot of stories can be popular, but they're what uh, Anthony Esselin calls cliche. Like, you know, the, 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 like, you know, someone gave the, showed us this book, like feminist baby. Yeah. Like you already know what it's about, (laughs) right? It's a feminist baby who's not stuck in your binary gender stereotypes. Okay. Mm -hmm. We already know what it's going to be. The grand, the great stories are grand adventures, but a common thread from the Narnia series and C.S. Lewis to Green Ember series now to the back to the Odyssey, I love the Odyssey. Even Jack and the Beanstalk. All these things is that secretly you don't know it, but you're royalty, mm. and you're being protected. Yeah, you have you have a world around you that's protecting this identity and yes. trying to reveal it to you in a way that doesn't put you in danger. You ever read Horse and the Boy? Nope. That comes across so powerfully. I it? think that's early on in the Narnia series. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. And I'm not remembering the details, but I just remember that exact truth that you just spoke was spoken more clearly to me in reading that fiction, that little itty bitty fiction book, maybe like book three, you know, in the Narnia series, that he was protected like this prince. And I think primarily through the horse, Mm -hmm. you know, at the time, I'm not remembering the the details, but he was royal and without even knowing it was protected every step of the way. Right. I mean, that's kind of where the Catholic imagination comes in with the doctrine of uh, of guardian angels. Right. You know, this incredible truth that, well, even here in this Love Kids studio right now, there's there's four beings that we know of. Right. You know what I mean? And a profound sense that we're not alone. I think that's actually one of the, the trials of this era. Most people are desperately isolated, mm-hmm. lonely, turned in on themselves. Mm-hmm. I suppose a lot of us didn't grow up with fairy tales. We grew up with Disney movies. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but not fairy tales that cultivated that rich imagination, that profound sense of even our own dignity that we're made for more than this world. And then actually we all have this unique and unimpeatable part to play in human history. Right. You know, you were talking yeah. about Dante unique, earlier, repeat, yeah. that that everybody, even when they get to heaven, as they're singing this, you know, polyphonic, you know, whatever you, what was it called? Song. Yes, song. <laughs> um, yeah, that everybody is different. Like right. every piece of the harmony comes together into but it fits this together. masterpiece, but it fits together. Right. You know? I think that in, you're royal, Someone else is also royal and you're not in competition. That's right. Right. You're not fighting over the same land. Yeah. So we know someone, or my wife was telling me of this, of a little girl whose parents were reading them all these stories and they they said, are you reading all these because we're royalty and you don't want to tell me? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And of course the answer as a Christian father is yes. Well, the same is true in the wing feather tales. These kids, they're like 12, 13. The oldest is maybe 12 or 13 when he finds out he's a prince. Hmm. 
you know, but their mom has just done such an incredible job of raising them. They're so humble. They're so unassuming. And the next thing you know, like the whole epic, it's a four part series. You got to get this for your kids, Jason, the wing feather tails. Before you know it, like they're, you know, they're, they're saving middle earth. They're saving a war, a, a, whatever the name of the the beautiful land is. And is that, that's not the awakening. There we are. There we are. (laughs) There we are. There we are. Yeah. Is that not the awakening of conversion though, to think, you know, we talked about in the last one that we looked up in the cosmos and we go, who, who am I? Mm-hmm. But then the next, the next line from the Psalms, who am I that God should be mindful of me? Mm-hmm. And then as the story progresses, and let, let's remember the primary mode we learn through is narrative, mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> God's history of salvation is, is a story that's unfolding in time, right? So Pope, Pope Benedict would often talk about time as being a form of revelation or history being a form of revelation that God is revealing something. And we sort of know the end already that, and we know part of it now because we've experienced it, we sense it, we get some of it through the fairy tales and our conversion and the active life of grace and all these things that God has a name for us mm-hmm. that we don't even know yet. Yeah. Right. And Revelation says that, that that there's a name. We don't even know it yet. So there is this sense of royalty. Mm-hmm. And we what do we get in heaven? We get these crowns, right? And there's all these other kings, but we're, we're, there's no competition. There's mm-hmm. no fighting for it, right? Because all of us now, you know, what is well, as soon as as soon as the fall occurs, Cain and Abel are at each other's throats, or mm-hmm. at least Cain at Abel's throat or head. Mm-hmm. That we don't even have to worry about losing it to the other, mm. and that God has given it to us freely, and that we just have to realize and embrace who we are. But when that happens in this life. It's a grand epic that yeah. we're a part of. When you yeah. when you understand that, no, actually, this isn't a theme. The fairy tales were more of a theme, but the theme is true that you are a part of an epic, right? Mm-hmm. And you do play this central part because you are the warrior poet prince yeah. that has to fly in and save the world because mm. you're a part of it. And we need a lot of poet prince, warrior, <laughs> prophets in these times. Yeah. You know, they're very confusing times. Perhaps we could just close with this quote. I'm officially in a different version, so I'm sorry, my page okay, switched are off. over. But he says here, the, the fairy tales rounded in me two convictions. First, that this world is a wild and startling place, which might've been quite different, but which is quite delightful. Second, that before this wildness and delight, one may well be modest and submit to the queerest limitations of so queer a kindness. Hmm. Again, it's this profound wonder, imagination, awe and gratitude for the beauty of all that is. And then this like absolute delight and humility to just be a part of that existence. And to be you know, grateful. To be grateful. He says elsewhere, it might be here in, in orthodoxy somewhere, but you know, there's, there's never a sadder moment in the life of an atheist than when they're filled with gratitude, profound sense of gratitude with no one to thank, <laughs> you know? Right. There's a, a great joy in knowing where we came from and knowing where we're going home to. Right. And I think the fairy tale is, is an epic reminder of that, you know, this great story of salvation history, this great story of every human soul as well. Yeah, that somehow we have the kindness of being a part of. Yeah, yeah. If, if we're open, if we're not limited. Yeah. Right, by denying its truth. And, and Jason, we're not even at the halfway point of this book. But next week, we're going to conclude at least this particular series on orthodoxy with a flag of the world. Yeah. And this profound sense of membership to a place and what it means to belong, which, of course, for all of us is is interesting when you're also strangers and sojourners in a foreign land. And you're locked in your house. Yes. And we're locked in our homes. And yet our citizenship is in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 
much to be continued, but this will be a wonderful culmination next week to have you back and to really get to dive even deeper before we kind of pivot and give people, I hope, a real foundation to keep reading the rest of of orthodoxy, which gets increasingly theological, which kind of goes from wonder and awe and imagination and asking all the right questions to then actually proposing what we know and love and call orthodoxy. The sanity of the creed. Yeah, the Apostles' Creed. All right, Jason. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. I tiptoe through the trees, you kissed me in a grace and the monks. I listened to little spire through the violets on the tape of your tongue. You, you want to test the waters now, now that you broke the ice, you made me slip and die. You're listening to Love Me Now by Rebecca Rubion. That is a throwback to her 2012 debut EP, Caulfields. Go check it out everywhere digital music is streamed. Now, can you imagine how different the world would be, maybe even just America right now, if we all lived with the wisdom of fairy tales? Maybe specifically if our political leaders, our civil leaders, could just remember the basics, right? The basics from their nursery, from their childhood fairy tales, because right now we're kind of swimming in an ocean of anarchy, an ocean or dictatorship of relativism. The world does feel really crazy to me most days, and I'm just excited to remember the basics over and over again. It never gets old coming back to the joy of a childlike imagination and frankly, the innocence of a childlike morality. And that is what is so sorely missing, among other things, in our society today. As you can probably imagine, Jason and I will be soon landing the plane on this bonus series. Next week is our final week with Jason before we have a very, very exciting episode that I'll tell you more about about a week from now. I'll give you a little teaser of what's coming after the series. It's going to blow your mind, but make sure that you don't miss this opportunity this week and this week only to subscribe as a patron if you're not already one. For as little as $5 a month, you get all kinds of premium access to our live streams, to our beautiful long form videos that we only send to our patrons, as well as a welcome package that will blow your mind because it includes a love good mask, You've probably seen this all over our social media. These things are beautiful. Now, none of us really like wearing masks, none of us, but there's certain places you need a mask to even get inside these days, and our mask is the best. I'm not just saying that. I'm a little biased, but frankly, this is an objective statement. Love good masks are the only masks you should have. So if you're not yet a patron, you can get one of those masks for free by going to lovegoodculture.com slash five and subscribing today. You guys are awesome. Have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll see you next time around our final episode again with Jason Craig. Peace. Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron 
at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.